Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Boy, oh boy. This is the most unfortunate Score North Gophers podcast I think we've done all year. I didn't expect this. The Gophers drop big game to Wisconsin at home, 38-17. They lose the Axe. They lose the Big Ten West. All of our pets' heads are falling off. Ross Brendel, Daniel House, both along with me. Ross in studio. Ross, what... What the hell was that? You know, tough loss, Murph, but I have to point out we're not burying the Gopher football team. No, we're not. They're, I mean, I <sighs> there's you're a right. New they year. did they won ten games for God's sakes, but it sounded like you were starting a eulogy. <laughs> They're playing on New Year's Day. Let's let's debrief, let's talk about the disappointment, I, but let's also celebrate ten wins for the first time post 50 years that Abraham Lincoln was president. Why are you not letting me be <laughs> negative? I want to be negative, damn it. I I I was so well, well we'll get into that. Let's 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 start off with Daniel House because Daniel was was there on Saturday. I mean, I was there too, but not not in the same way he was there. Daniel, what did you see on on Saturday afternoon? When the Gophers, hey, they give them credit. They uh, they start off about as well as you could with a with a defensive stop and a and a touchdown on the next drive. And I was I I was feeling really good about the offense, but then basically through the rest of the game, just not good enough to beat uh, a a very game Wisconsin squad. You know what, guys? It kind of reminded me of the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago because of that quick start. So much and then the lightning rod hit. And then Jack Cohen played like a Nick Foles game. It was it was unbelievable. Like I have never witnessed Jack Cohen play that well. Like his efficiency numbers were off the charts. He played the game of his life against the Gophers on Saturday. House, we'd we'd kind of heard that though from some people that said, "Hey, look, when he needs to carry the team and he needs to pass more, he's capable of doing that." At least a lot of people close to that program thought that, believed it, and at least in the Gophers game, it turned out to be true so it's surprising but I guess had we heeded the warning maybe it's not all that surprising yeah I thought Paul Chris did a tremendous job of scheming this game some of the mismatches that they were able to create like the touchdown that Taylor had in the end zone where Gophers sent a little bit of pressure and dropped Carter Coughlin into coverage and Taylor made a great play on the ball and that's the mismatch that they wanted. And then on the touchdown to Cephas to start the second half, they're in Tampa 2, and the safety's just a little bit too late, Howden. And looks like Barber's got a mismatch, but Howden was late. And he had no chance covering it. So good spot to attack the seam. And then you see the end around uh, that they ran for the touchdown, too. Just great use of misdirection, and the defense loses edge contained, and it's an easy touchdown. So I just see all of the scoring plays that they had were the result of excellent play calls, good use of misdirection, 
taking advantage of the fact Minnesota really wanted to try to shut down Jonathan Taylor. And for the most part, I mean, he had 76 rushing yards. So holding him under 100, that, that's a win. I would have considered that something that probably meant the Gophers are going to be really competitive in the game. But like I said, Jack Cohen played really well, and they had a solid scheme to take advantage of the Gophers' uh, defensive issues. Is it is it a little unbelievable that like you like you mentioned Daniel they hold Jonathan Taylor to 76 yards and I mean he had 18 carries it's a decent clip but under 100 yards which is I, I can't I I bet you it hasn't happened more than once or twice this year and yet they still they still lose by 21 points it it, it became not close in the second half I mean part of that was due to the 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 Minnesota offense just kind of stalled uh, I they had I believe a couple of fourth down. Uh, turnovers on downs on uh, when they were deep in Wisconsin territory that that really it made the game I, I feel like the score doesn't necessarily indicate how Minnesota played um, but it, it just it felt like they they did enough uh, against the run game to win this game what was it that Wisconsin did other other than Jack Cohen that that really led them to blow this thing wide open well, to me, there were two factors. One, the offensive line. I thought they had a tough time protecting Morgan all day. When Daniel Falele got hurt in the first quarter, it changed everything because it felt like a lot of their offensive game plan was centered around those six offensive line heavy personnel packages. And unfortunately, in both of their losses, the Iowa game and Wisconsin, they were unable to use that six offensive line package the whole game because Dunlap was out the first time. And then in the Wisconsin game, Falele got hurt. But in the Penn State game, they used that, and they were able to slow an athletic and skilled length, uh, length offensive line filled with length, and they did a nice job with that. But they were unable to use that in this game, and it impacted both the ground game and the ability to you know, just max protect. I look at just how many times the Gophers were stuffed on rushing plays. a 34% stuff rate on rushing plays, which basically means running backs are either stopped at or before the line of scrimmage. So Wisconsin did a great job there. They sacked uh, Tanner Morgan five times. I look at havoc rate. It's one of the things that I like to look at in terms of metrics, and that's whether the defense recorded a tackle for loss, a force fumble, defense pass, the percentage of those plays. Wisconsin had a 34% havoc rate where the Gophers had 14, and they specifically just couldn't get any pressure with four rushers they had to send a lot of guys to do that and that created a lot of favorable matchups on the perimeter that Wisconsin was able to capitalize upon all right Daniel I'm gonna cut open a vein I believe maybe not necessarily with you but a lot of the gopher fans that are that are listening and and I'm prepared for the backlash I I really am I will start with the disclaimer I am incredibly pro PJ love PJ hope he's here for 10 more years Hope we're in that situation each and every year fighting to go to a Big Ten West Championship, or excuse me, Big Ten Championship game, and hopefully more. With that said, in my mind, Daniel, there are two reasons why the Gophers are not off to Indy to more than likely be the sacrificial lamb to Ohio State like Wisconsin is. One of them is the lack of the run game over the last few weeks. I get that the Gophers are a passing team. All game long on Saturday, I kept saying if they don't start establishing the run, they have no chance to win this game. That then doesn't mean on third and ten, just because you caught him sleeping once, you continue to try and run the ball to the outside where you had very little success. Which leads me to point number two. 
Is it fair to say the reason why the Gophers are 10-2 and and maybe didn't get to 12-0? and I thought in the Iowa game and the Wisconsin game, I, I they were just outcoached. They were flat out coached on Saturday, and at least in the first half in Kinnick, Joe Rossi was outcoached by making zero adjustments in the first half of that game. With that said, great to be 10-2 and two and even be complaining about these things, but I just look at those games and I see some things that I, I don't like, but in fairness to the staff, they're also the reason that they won 10 games. So evaluate my statement there, House. Here's what I'm going to say about it. I feel like here, here's the deal with this team. In order to get into that next tier with Wisconsin and Iowa, we're starting to see where they have to continue improving their roster. And it starts by lines. building more offensive line depth, starting to continue to bolster the defensive line. They committed a lot of resources to that in the last recruiting cycle. So for me, you got to be able to match the physicality of teams like Iowa and Wisconsin. And that was the biggest difference. Like I said, those Havoc rates being so low, unable to get pressure with four rushers. They have to send it quite a bit. That creates matchups on the perimeter. And then in the ground game, they, they've had to use that 6-0 line package to help a little bit this year. That offensive line is still really young. Everyone's coming back next year. They're going to continue to get experience, and you start filtering in guys like J.J. Gaday, who was a big uh, commit in the last cycle. I see areas where, yes, P.J. Fleck made some decisions that I'm like, eh, maybe that could have been a little bit different to me. I'm looking at the Iowa game, the, the punt instead of the, the field goal instead of the punt, and then the punt at the 35 on fourth and two, and they just took the delay a game. Those are two analytics decisions that really showed up to me. Otherwise, you guys would kind of be surprised with P.J. Fleck. I want you to take a guess. So they had 11 successful fourth down conversions this year. How many of those do you think resulted in the drive ending with a touchdown. I actually don't think that it's fairly high. I'd four, four out of 11. That's, uh, that's, I mean, just with the way that you preface that, I, I, I'll go higher. I'll, I'll go, I'll say seven, but we'll, I, I would, I would tend to say with Ross, but just for, to play devil's advocate, I'll say seven. So it's 10 out of the 11 really? successful conversions led to a touchdown at the end of the drive. That's surprising because I feel like, I, I feel like those kind of decisions, and maybe maybe it's maybe it's it's uh, recency bias because we've seen maybe not the best decisions be made, especially when you look at Iowa and and Wisconsin, and we're allowed to nitpick a little bit during those games. But yeah, I mean, I I can't I can't say I I would have expected that, Housey. Well, yeah, and I mean, two of the biggest decisions that were a problem that showed up when I was looking at the analytics, both came in huge spots. So that's why I think they're they're magnified more because of the fact of when they happened in the high leverage situations that they occurred in. And I mean, honestly, when I look at the numbers, there's a handful of different situations where numbers maybe disagreed with some decisions. But for the most part, it's crazy to me. When I looked at the numbers, I thought, hey, I mean, 10 of the 11 successful conversions eventually led to a successful TD drive. They were 11 for 17 on fourth down this year, 65% rate. So they were in the top 25 in terms of fourth down conversion percentage. So seeing those numbers, I I was really shocked by that. And I feel like there's still area of opportunity and things such as like game management, timeout, stuff like that can get better. But the numbers show us that uh, actually it wasn't as big as 
Guys, I, I want to ask you something because this is something that I've always had a little bit of problems doing is is looking at a season as a whole when it doesn't end on the note that you want it to. It's easy to look at a season as a whole if you struggle out of the gates and, and you work your way through maybe a rough patch, kind of like the Gophers did last year, I would say, where where they, they had to fire a defensive coordinator after the Illinois game. They they, they bound together, they beat Wisconsin for the axe, and, and this season was a success. Now this one, it's kind of the, the, the script is flipped, where you started off 9-0, and and you dropped two of your last three games of the season to wind up as, as about as a disappointing of a 10-win season as you could say, but how how do you view the season as a whole? Because for me, it, it's always going to be a struggle to do that when, when you end on the note they did, Ross. Yeah, 10-2. and two. I Overall, I was it. This is this will sound bad to say. I think I might have been over the Wisconsin game before it ended. It that it's it's not palatable to lose a game like that. But the guy who sat here in the beginning of the year and laughed at you for picking ten wins, I would be, and I've said this before, I would be an absolute fraud <laughs> if I sat here today right. and told you guys I was disappointed. I thought they'd be eight and four. I think I said I could even see them at seven and five. Ten and two for this program, first time since what? 1904, 1905. Going to a New Year's Day bowl, probably the Outback, maybe the Citrus, who knows? Second time in what? Now, this will be six years, the 2014 mm-hmm. Citrus Bowl. Mm-hmm. Give Jerry Kill credit for that one. Look, I can't complain one bit. I can be disappointed in the Iowa and the Wisconsin game, but for me, it's all about going forward. We've talked about this before in past Score North Gopher shows. To me, next year is all about, at minimum, going 8-4 and four and building on this momentum. And I say 8-4 and four because I, I don't really like playing out the schedules, but in college football, you kind of can because you have a pretty good idea of who's coming back. There's no real free agency. Next year's schedule is no treat, especially when you get Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Those three games are in a five-week stretch, and I believe BYU's thrown in there, a trip out east to Maryland. It's a tougher schedule, but overall this year, if we're talking this year specifically, 10-2, and two, maybe they win that bowl game and get to 11-2. and two. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And before house answers, I'll, I'll tell you this. For the most part, I tend to think bowl games, unless they're the – upper echelon, maybe the New Year's Six, are largely meaningless. I don't think that's the case for this team. I think a team that lost, as you talked about, Murph, two of the final three to two of their rivals, they're going to get a a legit opponent, unless it's Tennessee, making a dig at Manny and Chip Scoggins, and watch Tennessee show up and beat the Gophers by two touchdowns, and then I eat my words. But you're going to get a good opponent. And a win there could be pretty meaningful. I'm interested to see, and and maybe House will dive into this, who chooses to play. Does Kamal Martin choose to sit out the bowl game? Does Tyler Johnson choose to sit out the bowl game? Yeah. If Antoine Winfield wants to go to the NFL, does he choose to sit out the bowl game? I got a feeling a few of those guys that I just named, they're big Minnesota guys and big program guys. I'd like to think that they're going to play. But from afar, if I was advising them, yeah. I might tell him not to play. I mean, I think Tyler Johnson is one where you would say, just based on you know him being a Minnesota kid and him staying here, you would a fan would hope that he would play. 
I if you're if you're looking at being potentially a second round pick, I don't think you play. I mean, that's that's just me as a as a cynical NFL fan. But I I honestly don't believe that if it. it it's moved in the direction where, and I, I think it started with Christian McCaffrey. Was he the first one to like the first uh, skill position player to, to 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 not play in a bowl or not play in a? I, and that was even was it a playoff game that he didn't play in or there was there I, there was, I think he was one of the first ones. But it, it started a trend where even I, I believe. Uh, Danelle Green last year didn't play for in in the Gopher Bowl. Yeah, game. it's it's been so, more than just star players. Right. Now it's been guys who just have a chance at the NFL that are doing it. I didn't want to derail the conversation. I'm going to circle back so we can get House's answer. Overall, ten and two. I'm ecstatic with the season. Disappointed in the results to Iowa and Wisconsin, but I give PJ and his staff a ton of credit. How many Gopher teams have we seen in the past that would have that schedule where you see a path to eight? No. And somehow you get through eight games and they're five and three or six and two. Right. And you're disappointed. Overall, rave reviews for the players and the staff. Ten and two, fantastic. I just gave nobody can see it, but I'm giving James the two thumbs up in the studio. Howsey, what what how what's your ability to look as at, at the season as a whole? And I mean, obviously we're all impressed with 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 the ten and two record, but just the way they ended it, how what kind of taste does that leave in your mouth? Well, I honestly feel like this is a big turning point in the future of the program, and there's a couple reasons why. One, the national prominence that they received at the end of the year with game day coming to campus, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was just a great experience for the fans, and to have that there, the energy was so high, and you're in 1.9 million homes on average, so it's a lot. It's great for recruiting. PJ was featured on the College Football Playoff Ranking Show. He was interviewed there. So this brand is stretching, and they took a step forward this year. I look at the roster, I see 70% of it still being underclassmen this season, so they can continue to build upon that. I look at how that upper 30% of the roster, those upperclassmen, they did an amazing job of leading this team and, and filling in the gap with experience that they still had. And when I broke it down even further, I looked at, okay, how many underclassmen seriously – gave you know a lot of reps to this team this season and got extensive experience it's almost 20 percent so when I see the construction of this team what's coming back and some of the additions that they're going to continue to make through recruiting this has a chance to be one of PJ Flex better classes next year you're going to see guys like James Gordon who's a linebacker that will really capture the attention of Gopher fans I think he's going to be one of the most underrated possible stars next season uh, and then they continue to just add the receiving talent. I mean, Daniel Jackson, one of the top uh, players in Kansas, and then Douglas Emelian that they got uh, from Florida last night. They beat out Miami and LSU. So you're starting to see the benefit from a recruiting standpoint, guys coming up on visits and being impressed, and P.J. Fleck getting in people's homes. So I see how this roster is built. I see a lot of, of talent coming back. And this is an opportunity for the Gophers to – just continue building upon what they did last year and uh, taking advantage of the fact that they were able to play this well this year and continue to get into that national spotlight. House, my favorite game day sign was Jack Dawson should have rowed the boat. That's a Titanic reference for you youngins. Did you have a favorite sign you saw on uh, on game day on Saturday? Ooh, there were a lot of them. I actually Ones really that you liked. can repeat? <laughs> I liked the one that had 
Fleck in a plaid suit with Herb Brooks in a plaid suit, and it said elite coaches wear plaid. I thought that was kind of a cool sign. <laughs> I didn't see that one. That would have been a good one to see. One of them that made me smirk was the uh, never been this good, don't know what to write. Yeah, that's that's I, good. Yeah. That that was uh, – it, it's it's really simple, and it didn't it didn't make – it wasn't, like, super clever, but I, I just really enjoyed that one. I, I thought, and I think, uh, House, I saw you down there. I think you can back this up. That was – Honestly, I envisioned that that uh, not just the whole day. I I really thought Minnesota would show well, and I think they showed as well as I thought they would have times ten. And I can only imagine if and when when game day comes back, and maybe it's a bit earlier on in the season, and the weather's a bit more conducive, and maybe it's not over a holiday. I I think they'll be boy another fifteen hundred people down there. It was just awesome and. In the elements, it looked very picturesque being there, and when I went back and fast-forwarded on the uh, television, it was pretty fun to see. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it, honestly. Like, going to school there for four years and walking the campus every single day, and you think about, like, wow, college game day in the center of the campus, shooting for millions of people across the world. I was just so amazed at the turnout that they had. The energy was there the whole time. People just yell and roll the boat. It's just cycling throughout the the area. And I, I just was so impressed with how the fans came out and just wanted to see the game day experience and enjoy it. And that's a step forward for this program. They accomplished a lot of things that they haven't done in a very long time. And in my opinion, they're slightly ahead of schedule and where I thought they'd be with P.J. Flex. So, to me, that's a success this season because you're able to uh, accomplish these types of things, bring this type of national attention to Minneapolis. I mean, talking to those ESPN guys before the game, they were all extremely impressed. Herb Street continued to talk about the facilities that they have, and he said one of the key things is having the support of administration to be a successful coach. And, after being at Minnesota and seeing what they're doing, he, he said that TJ Flex set up for success. So I just feel like everyone is kind of singing the Adele Skyfall song right now, but this team is <laughs> this team won 10 football games with as many young players as they have and the talent that's coming in. I, I think the future is very bright. That was very good. Uh, yeah, I want to touch on that too. That, that was a perfect segue because what I was really impressed with was PJ Flex post-game presser where he made a note to touch on that Gopher fans and the media and everyone here in the cities shouldn't view this as the same old Gopher team that can't beat Wisconsin because they did things that no other team has done before this year. They they made accomplishments when no one really had them no one had them pegged to, to be as good as they were to beat Penn State even when they were Eight and zero, they were still, they were still. Most of us didn't think they were going to win that game, or if you did, it, you 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 certainly had reservations about it. However, they accomplished certain things that that Gopher fans, young and old, have never seen before, and they want to get away from that. Or PJ wants everyone to get away from that same old Gophers, same old lovable losers, same old same as it's been since 1960 appearance that they have. And I thought it was really cool of him to mention that. And, and I I think he's right in what he said, because they, 
what what they need to do is is realize that that this is this is a brand new culture. This is a brand new team, and that next year we're not going to go back to being a six-win football team. They're going to build upon this. They might not win ten games next year, but they're going to play this kind of football in 2020. And I I truly believe that. In that statement, I did like his acknowledgement that there will always be some doubters. There will always be some naysayers. Because to a degree, I would put a small percentage of me in that category. I would say, the only thing I would say back to the head coach is, you do have to understand the skepticism. What changes that skepticism is when you do show up and kick the door down. And I do believe with this coach, hopefully staying long enough, and I hope that that contract entices him to do so, when you finally kick the door down, then you'll get that last group of people to buy in. But I do think... Until you do that, you're going to leave yourself open for a little bit of skepticism and, oh, same old gophers, which, by the way, I got my complaint with that group of people because that group of people that's saying that are the people that watched parts of three games this year. Right. Right. For, For the most part, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, I got so many of those texts on Saturday from people I know watched 15 minutes of gopher football all year. So don't complain about it if you haven't watched it. I agree. And... Daniel, I want to get your thoughts on because I know you were you were there when PJ was was talking to the media post game. Um, what did you think about what he had to say, especially uh, surrounding the that 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 notion of the Gophers pre 2016 I guess should be just forgotten. Yeah, I, I felt like he handled the post game press conference really well. I mean, in the face of a loss, he found a way to tell people why he is so confident about what he's doing here in Minnesota. And he feels like he has the right players to accomplish uh, his goals and the future vision that, that he set out to accomplish here at Minnesota. Now it's just trying to get uh, more players that continue to fill up some of the spots where they need depth and trying to just change the perception of how this program is viewed. And I feel like it would have been a totally different tone if, Minnesota wouldn't have lost to two rivals at the end of the season like this. I mean, this was a successful season. Uh, The Gophers were able to accomplish a lot of things that they hadn't done in a very long time. And now the next step forward heading into next season is to compete with the Wisconsins and Iowas of the world and move up into that next tier of the Big Ten West. That's where you have to elevate. To me, it's Iowa and Wisconsin at the top of that tier, and the Gophers just slightly below that. And then there's everybody else, like you know the Nebraskas and the Purdue's and the Illinois that are still in the process of trying to figure out their culture and identity. The Gophers have an established culture. They know how they do things. They have the right players. They've shown flashes and, and picked up a premier win against Penn State. Now it's about heading into this offseason with the right mindset. I felt like he conveyed that to the fans in a way in which was really good considering uh, the the outcome of the game and how some coaches have shown to have handled those types of situations before. House, we talked about it just a bit, but do you care what bowl game the Gophers wind up in? And in the long run, how much does the result of the bowl game matter to you? To me, the most important part of making a bowl game is having the opportunity to practice with some of the younger guys and get that extended work in through reps and practice and then if some guys don't play like we, you guys were mentioning earlier some of those guys decide to declare it gets reps for those younger players to 
build on for next season. And it's an opportunity just to uh, get everybody into a bowl game experience and get an opportunity for the program to continue to be on a national stage. You just see this season ending that way, being able to continue to develop some of these younger players that maybe didn't see as much action this year, throw them into some roles. You saw that in the Georgia Tech game last year. They were able to get some guys in there, and I think that was really beneficial heading into the offseason, guys having an understanding of what it's going to take to play the game at this level. Two things I want from you, gentlemen, as as we're going to wrap the show here. I want, first, is it possible that if no, not if. When Wisconsin gets their doors blown off by Ohio State next week in the Big Ten Championship game, is it still possible that Minnesota could be looking at getting a Rose Bowl bid? You have a lot of teams sitting at pretty much the same spot in the Big Ten. You have Penn State, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin are, are the four, and Wisconsin would have three losses potentially if they lose to Ohio State, Iowa with three losses, Penn State with a loss to Minnesota, so all that can work itself out. And then my second thing, well, let's just start with that. Do do the Is there a chance, even with a loss, that Minnesota could get a, a Rose Bowl berth? I'll take it first. I, there is precedent. It, it could happen. I, I would say it's incredibly unlikely, but I would say if you don't think Mark Coyle and P.J. Fleck are selling the program hard between now and Selection Sunday, I think, I think you're sadly mistaken. So I would put that chance if Wisconsin loses at less than 5%, but you know what? Take you, it. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I'll see. Well, I look at it this way. I mean, the, the door would be just open just a little bit, and the way that they could justify this is because – Technically, the Big Ten announced that the Gophers were co-Big Ten West champs. Now, Wisconsin won the head-to-head, and they're going to get the trophy. They get to go to Indy, and and I I believe that they probably deserve to go to the Rose Bowl. But the whole idea of the committee having a way to say, hey, well, Wisconsin finished with three losses. Yes, you beat Minnesota head-to-head, but you both technically were co-Big Ten West champs. Minnesota beat Penn State head-to-head. So you have that going there, too. So I I don't believe it will happen. I would be very surprised. But they have a way to, if they want to put Minnesota in that game, from a financial standpoint, the Rose Bowl would make a lot more money with Minnesota fans traveling because the team hasn't played there in 50 years. Everybody's wanted to experience a Rose Bowl. they got tremendous storylines, and they have P.J. Fleck over Paul Christ as a coach to kind of bring energy (laughs) and, and sell Rose Bowl. I don't know. That's that's how I look at it. I, maybe I'm crazy looking at it from the lens of Rose Bowl people. Money money talks, people. Money talks. I just want to know how early do we need to get to TCF Bank Stadium next year for the lid lifter when the Gophers unveil co Big Ten West champions <laughs> 2019 and they hang that banner amongst the student section. Uh, I might have to go the day before and put my uh, camping chair down. Yeah, that's going to be quite the – I mean, is that better than an NIT championship banner that's hanging at Williams Arena? No, or? that's a national championship. Yeah. They can never take that away from Richard Pitino. Never. I, I, just, I have an NIT championship T-shirt. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I just want to say, the because I, I have so many friends who are Badger fans, the amount of hell they would raise if Minnesota goes to the Rose Bowl instead of Wisconsin, I, it, they, they would not be – 
Twi- I think Twitter Twitter would explode if 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 Wisconsin doesn't get the bid, but but Minnesota well, does. Remember their rage a few years ago when the Gophers were a five seed, and I think the Badgers were what a seven uh, or no, eight. No, they that were like year? a well. I think they were like a nine or yeah, because that was when. No, they were they were an they were an eight or a nine, but it was one like Kentucky drew Wisconsin yeah. in the tournament, and that was well, that was that year. And in the end, Wisconsin ended up being they vindicated. Went yeah, yeah, but the but the rage was funny. It was pretty good. And and this is this is how I want to wrap. Dream matchup in in a in a bowl game for for you. What team would you like to see the Gophers <laughs> the Gophers go up against uh, this year? I'll, I'll start. I think it would be really fun if uh, if you either get. My first pick is is Oregon. I, I would like to see the Gophers go up against Oregon. They they, I don't know if they'd have to win that the the championship game to because they'd have three losses if they lose to Utah. I don't know if that would be good enough for them to match up with the Gophers, but I I would like to see Oregon or the loser of the the Big Twelve championship game. So either uh, Oklahoma or Baylor, I think would be fun a fun matchup too. Stay out of the SEC. I do not want to face Alabama. I do not want to face Auburn. Stay out of the SEC. As the elder statesman of this group, I don't really want to see Oregon again because I've seen that bowl matchup twice in my lifetime. I don't necessarily care to see it for a third time, even though even though it would be the rubber match. I'm the opposite of you. I want to see how far behind Alabama we are. I don't. I don't. There's really no way it can happen. But you just said, who would you want to see? I would love to take on Alabama again and put that winning streak against Alabama on the line because there is a one-game winning streak over Alabama. In all honesty, I think I'd kind of like to see Tennessee because the more we do this show, I'm kind of talking myself into I. I kind of want to win the bowl game, and I think Tennessee, it's not a guaranteed win, but I feel like that they would create the best opportunity for a victory. So I, Alabama or Tennessee, that's who I want. Wow. House? I want Gus Malzahn. I'm, I'm, this is the football nerd coming out with me, but I just love watching Gus Malzahn teams and Gus Malzahn systems. So give me Gus Malzahn so I can write some uh, Auburn-related preview pieces because I'd really enjoy that. We'll give uh, we'll give both of you guys some free publicity. Uh, Ross, we'll start with you. Um, Friday, I know you and Manny are recording a another episode of the Score North Gopher Show. What can uh, what can listeners expect on Friday? Yeah, I think a little bit of this, and I actually want to. I didn't do the old oh seasons over. Thank everybody, like a lot of people did on Saturday. Like and someone Fri- did to yeah. start the show. And, and by the way, I'm not I'm not attacking people for doing that. I I totally get why they do it. But we, we have obviously this pod, another one coming up. We'll do a bowl game preview. We'll do a bowl game review. We'll get in to go for basketball, yeah. I promise. We'll yeah. do that, too. But I do want to thank, uh, on Saturday, there were a couple different people who who tweeted who tweeted me about the Score North Gophers show, some other people that I've bumped into. Somehow the Score North Gophers show hot in Apple Valley because I always forget to take my badge off at the Target, and I've been recognized twice by my badge. Wow. So, um... I just want to thank people. This has been a ton of fun for me. I know I don't want to speak for you guys, but I think it's been fun. Manny's joined me a few times. We've had some great guests. This was a fun year. It wouldn't have been possible if the football team obviously wasn't having a ton of fun and winning on the field. But it's been awesome. Thanks for listening to us. If this is the first time, great. If you've been listening to us all year, awesome. Please give us a favorable review if you can, and, and thanks a ton for listening. And we'll keep doing it. And, yes, we'll talk uh, soon to be NIT 2020 champion <laughs> go for basketball soon. Hey, they'd be 
they beat uh, Clemson last night. They actually stuck it to them a little bit. It, I they're they're a young team, as you know, PJ would tell you they're young. But it uh, I I'm I'm excited for go for basketball. I'm excited for the bowl game because the season's not over. You you have ten wins and you have a chance at a New Year's Day bowl, possibly even the Rose Bowl if we want to get if we want to get a little ahead of our skis. Daniel, I know you did a you did a breakdown of the 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 Badger game from Saturday, and I'm sure you'll be writing stuff heading up to this. Um, the bowl game, whenever, wh- when we do, uh, when we uncover who it is, the golfers will be playing, uh, where can the listeners find that? You can find it at Daniel house NFL. I have a breakdown of the game on scorenerds.com. And then with early national signing day coming up, content will be cranking out with that. And then, uh, the bowl game. And so everything's going to continue to keep going, even with the uh, regular season coming to a close. I'm giddy, boys. I love bowl season. We'll know all the bowl matchups on Sunday night and Army-Navy about a week and a half away. Let's get it pumped. I'm excited. I am too. I have to say it's 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 been it's been a fun season, as you mentioned, Ross. And and I, I want to echo your your statement earlier too. I want to thank you guys for for being along the, for this really the first full season of the Score North Gopher Show. We did start it in basketball season last year, about midway through. But uh, this has been a lot of fun doing a, a couple of podcasts every week for you guys. And and um, it's as Ross has said, we we felt the love, especially on Twitter, um, from you guys interacting with us and I've I've probably doubled my followers as of this year so that's that's been fun too. Row the boat Sky Yuma and go score north. We will leave it there and I want to thank again Daniel House. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Daniel House NFL. Ross Brendel he's on Twitter as well. He's at Brendel Ross because he can't get his own name. I am very frustrating <laughs> to this day. I am at Murph underscore MN. We want to thank you again um, stick around or stick with us though. We're, we're going to, we're going to be pumping out content. As Ross mentioned, he'll have a, a podcast dropping around uh, Friday, Saturday, sometime this weekend, as well as we'll have plenty of stuff heading up to the bowl game, as well as during the basketball season for Daniel house and for Ross Brendel. I've been James Murphy, and we want to thank you again for listening to the score North Gophers show.